0: Welcome to the Untranslatable Podcast. Today we are here recording episode 95, the International School Experience Expose. Uh, We'll be talking about what it's like um, as a student in an international school, um, some of Jared's experiences, and I'm curious to pick his brain later this episode to find out what that was like, because I uh, only attended public school in the States, so I'm really curious to hear what it's like to be around such an international crowd of students and uh, gain a better understanding of the curriculum and everything else so this episode is for you if you are curious maybe you have children and you're planning on moving abroad and don't know what school to send them to maybe you're just curious about what it's like being at an international school and i i think it's very safe to say we have an expert on the scene today uh my good buddy jared so without further ado
1: what's going on jared if you're a parent and you listen to this podcast, may God have mercy on your soul. <laughs> <laughs> that would be cool, actually. Uh, hello. Yeah. Uh, I did go to international school for from 11 to 15. My uh, integral years in my life that made me the man, podcaster, and unemployed person I am that's sitting in front of you actually recording a podcast today. Um but before we get into that, please, everyone, spread a little love. Follow us on Instagram, Untranslatable Podcast. You could see uh, some cool pics from our experiences in uh, here in Philadelphia, there in Czech Republic, and apparently Switzerland as well. Uh, you can. Oh, you said Czech Switzerland. Does that mean Czech it's, Switzerland? It's I didn't in know the Czech was, Republic. Okay, I didn't know if that was in Switzerland or in Czech Republic. We'll get it's, to that later. Yeah, sounds uh, good. Sounds <laughs> follow good. Follow us uh, on Twitter untranslatable one, the number one, that's where I post episodes, retweet, um, retweet things. I, uh, post songs of the pod. You can find all the latest and greatest songs of the pod. Uh, or you could follow us, uh, or no, or you can email us untranslatable at gmail.com. All those places, email us, slide into the DMS, give us topic ideas, give us, um, give us a uh, song of the pod ideas. Uh, Untranslatable ideas. That's that's great too. But if you want to um really spread a little love five star reviews on the iTunes and Stitcher. You know, we had a pretty good uh rate going every now and again we'd get one, slowing down, speed it back up. Spread a little love five star reviews, please. So the world can hear about the greatness that is the untranslatable podcast. Preach, yes, sir. (laughs) Amen. And moving on. Uh so it's so Czech, Switzerland is in Czech Republic. Correct. So Czech, Switzerland is
0: on the northwestern border to Germany. And so okay. there's Czech, Switzerland. And then over the border to Germany is um, Saxon, Switzerland, which is the part of Ger- Saxony, which is that area in Germany. And for our listeners out there who are not uh, checking out our Poppin' Instagram page, I posted a couple photos. And a few more to come from Czech, Switzerland. And I have to say, it is the most, some of the most beautiful views I have seen. Um, these rock formations are out of sandstone and I think maybe also basalt. Um, and they're absolutely beautiful and breathtaking. Mm-hmm. And they have um, this one spot that's very, very famous. In Czech, it's called uh, um, Pravčicka Brana, which is like, um, oh man, I, I don't know how to translate Pravčicka. It's... It's like a gate. Basically, it's a rock, like it's a gate or like a, a bridge, but it's made of rock and it's really, really beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm looking yeah, at so it right I, now. Yep. So I went there with my mentor and her son and his wife, and they showed me all around Czech Switzerland. And I have to tell you, man, in a way, I felt like I was back home because we were in small villages, and so that was, you know, I come from, I would, you know, actually Dexter. Now, oddly enough, it's considered a city, which I don't really understand, but it always was called the Village of Dexter, Mm -hmm. and uh, that's where I'm from. And so it was nice to be in villages again. Also, the nature there was just stunning. I mean, I felt like I was going through like a mountain fairy tale or something, man. It was great.
1: Yeah, I'm actually looking at the pictures right now, and it is great. Um, So why Czech Switzerland? What's that about? It was on my bucket list. No, but I mean, what is it? why is it called that? Probably because it's mountainous,
0: like the Czech Alps.
1: Oh, uh, okay, okay. Would, be, like would Swiss be my Alps? guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Swiss oh, Alps. Okay, yeah. <laughs> I was like, I'm more confused now. Right, <laughs> right, right. <laughs> so, yeah, so you so just super... asked your, uh, your, how how did it come about that your mentor and, and, uh. So her, her son, her son, her son
0: actually lives very close to the Czech Switzerland National Park. Oh, so okay. he moved there almost a year ago. Bought this really cool over 100 year old house with his wife. And they. he's a super handy, really intelligent guy. And mm. so he's actually rebuilding everything in the house himself. So he okay. redid all the electricity, a lot of the plumbing. Um, we'll be redoing some of the interior, the uh, exterior as well, putting insulation on the house. So it was really cool to see his house and see, um, you know, it kind of showed me what he's planning on doing. They also have a huge backyard, which is fairly uncommon here in the Czech Republic, mm-hmm. and so they're also hoping to be very self sufficient. Um, they have a bunch of they have a beautiful garden with um, you know different vegetables and stuff planted. In the future, they want to also plant some fruit trees, and so yeah. So basically, it's been on my bucket list since I've got here to go see Czech Switzerland, um, and so I had I had mentioned it early on, and um, and we we just didn't have the time in the fall. You don't really want to go in the winter because you're doing all this hiking and it could get dangerous, for one. And mm-hmm. two, it, let's be honest, it's so much more enjoyable to enjoy those views when the weather's nice. Oh, for and, sure. And for so, sure. Yeah, so not only that, though, Jared, I also got to see the oldest um, the oldest rock formation, and it's protecting, and it's one of the oldest, most famous in Europe um, – Oh, shoot. And of course, every time uh, I forget the name of it, it's. Let me look at. Let me look at. I have a, a picture of like the little billboard. The billboard was in English, um, German, and Czech. Uh, let's see here. Oh, yeah. Panska Skala,
1: um, okay. which
0: is. Um, it's like the, the, the Lord's. Um, oh, what does the English say here? Uh, mansion Manor Rock. Not, not the smoothest translation. But mansion or manor rock. Manor rock, I guess, sounds best. Um, and it's, it's really beautiful. And because it's also made from volcanic lava, what's crazy about it is it, it looks like it looks almost like you took logs mm-hmm. and cut them so they weren't round and put them all together and stuck them straight up. It's really hmm. cool looking. Was that, was
1: that on the Instagram?
0: Nope. It's, don't, don't you worry. I got, I'm planning on uh, scheduling these
1: later and uh, that will be <laughs> out there. Most times you say that, I never hear or see these pictures again. So that's the only reason I'm asking. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Just you wait. Just you wait. I got them.
0: Um, Uh, But yeah. And it was funny, though. While I was hiking and everything, um, half the photos I took, I was like, oh, this would be cool for the podcast. This would be interesting on the Instagram. mm -hmm. I've posted a couple of them, and I'm planning on posting a couple more. Um, My mentor snuck a couple... Of me like walking around and kind of staring into the abyss, so that that might pop
1: up there as well. I do so. love the abyss shots. That might right keyword. Don't that might pop up, <laughs> up there.
0: <laughs> you know, Jared, some some positive encouragement goes a long way.
1: <laughs> I feel bad sometimes, like constantly asking you to do stuff because I was like, if he doesn't want to do it, just don't don't ask him to do it. He doesn't want to do it. Um, I had a pretty fun weekend too. Is that all you have to yeah, say about yes. Czech Switzerland? Yeah,
0: I mean, I could go on, but it's it's. It's not really worthy until until uh, the listeners check out the Instagram. So, so okay. we'll move check on. Yeah, uh, check out the Instagram, everyone. How was your chamber concert?
1: Speaking of checking out the Instagram, you can't see a picture of the Red Velvet Hall. Do you, I assume you saw those. Of course. And uh, you just, even just that I put a little clip on our story. I know you saw it. That like mm-hmm. 10 second clip of that guy playing. Oh, it was great. I've probably listened to that like 10 times. <laughs> nice. But anyway... Nice. Um, so this concert was, uh, I go to these, I guess you call them chamber concerts. That's what it is, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, I'd say chamber concert. And this guy, he's a doctor. Uh, he puts them on in his house. And that's, for example, you guys remember uh, Michael Zipstrom. That's where I found about him, found out about mm-hmm. him. He put on a concert of some of his pieces. There have been other musicians you know, that he does, I don't know, six or seven a year. And this one was specifically for him. So the guy you saw on our Instagram, because I know you went to our Instagram and looked at it, everyone. (laughs) Um, Spread a little love. He is the one that puts on these concerts. And usually he plays occasionally, but usually he's just like the producer of them. Mm -hmm. But he's, you know, a big musician. He's been playing piano since he was in, like, college, I think. And he's, like, in his 60s or 70s now, so a long time. And he's mostly been a big jazz player, improv player. Later in his life, he got into classical music. And just within the past two or three years, I believe, he's got into composing. And so he put on this concert. And it started, it was about two, a little more than two hours, you know, with the intermission. The first half was him playing s- some assorted sh- pretty short pieces. I have the uh, program here. Playing some assorted short pieces from some of his favorite um, Composer, some of his inspirations. So he played uh, Kinderzainen, which is childhood scene or scenes from childhood. And wait, wait, is that is that Schumann? There you go. Oh, all right, all right. <laughs> can you can you can you give me give me the compositions, and I want to see if I can guess more of them. Okay, well, from he played a lot of different acts from and He played foreign lands and people, curious story, pleading child, happy enough, childhood dream, Traumerei, as they call it. Mm-hmm. Uh, child falling asleep and the poet speaks he also well it's going to be kind of hard because oh well he also played opus 116 number two four and one <laughs> okay yeah no i'm not gonna <laughs> yeah, do able to guess that would that be a little difficult <laughs> yeah that was a uh, Brahms, uh Brahms uh works johannes Brahms. okay good Do you know the connection between Brahms and schumann yeah it wasn't <sighs> he talked about it during um
0: oh shoot i'm trying to remember their age now i think one of them was the other's teacher yeah yeah,
1: Schumann was Brahms' teacher. Brahms right. was, was young, and uh, Schumann was older than him, obviously. Um, and they um, Brahms like showed up at his house one one day at Schumann's house, mm-hmm. and and like uh, played something for him, and Schumann was very impressed, and so he started teaching him. But Brahms passed passed away pretty young, and you, um, you mean you mean Schumann? Was it Schumann?
0: Schumann, Bra- Brahms was an old man.
1: But I thought Bra- we just said that he was Bra- the one that... I thought we just said it Schumann wasn't, taught Brahms.
0: Yeah, Schumann taught Brahms. But Brahms The was, teacher died. Or or was Brahms the teacher? Brahms lived to be an old age, my man. Because the Brahms okay. that most of us know has long white hair and this epic beard. I mean, and speaking, speaking of Brahms, if you're curious about uh, music in Vienna... Check out our travel tips episode dropping on Saturday, exclusively focused on Vienna. And Brahms was actually the music director of the Musikverein, or I guess the, the, I don't know how to translate that, music club of Vienna. I think Schumann was the one that died young.
1: So Maybe I I got it backwards. Maybe I misunderstood his story. So Schumann, maybe Schumann was the student of Brahms. You're right. You're right. You're right. So um, the the, the interesting part of the story was, yeah, so it was Schumann that passed away. Klams uh, um, said he would take care of Schumann's wife and family, mm-hmm. which of course led to an uh, uh, a, a, a affair. No, I just guess it's not a affair. He's dead. But uh, he ended up having a romantic relationship with uh, Schumann's wife. And she was also quite the pianist, I'm pretty sure. Yes, that's very true. She is also a pianist. And um, yeah, it was just interesting to hear him talk about the stories. He knows knows a lot about these, but I guess they are his inspirations. So right. he probably was did a deep dive. He's also a very like um, he's like a very at least from what I've heard like sensitive and not but the the guy that put on the concert, Dr. Cantor, right. and he's a very like smart and analytical person. He you know, he's very creative. He's composing music and loves to play piano. Right. But he's also a doctor, so he has that mix of both the left and right brain. And so he also played a um uh oh i'm let's, I'm sure you can guess this one number two minuet <laughs> no uh he that was by uh, Maurice Ravel yeah, I wouldn't have guessed that one The girl with the flaxen hair no idea that's debussy okay uh anyone can whistle that's a very different time period no no yeah no idea. Steven Sondheim Oh sondheim, okay someone to watch over me not. I always feel like somebody's watching me. <laughs> but somebody to watch over me. <laughs> who, who is that by? Uh, George Gershwin. Oh, oh, okay. And then uh, okay. somewhere over the rainbow, which I'm sure everyone's heard before, by uh, Harold Arlen. And so that was the first half of it, and that was just going over, you know, his inspirations, and you know, he's a great pianist, so it was very interesting to hear. The second part, he played the stuff that he composed himself. And how was and it? And it was impressive okay and so um he had, you know he's been working on this for about two years and now he's actually trying to find so it has all, actually he he actually wrote out this like this is the part of the program and it has out like his like what each act means I'm not gonna read okay. all of it but it, it's four different acts and it's essentially um like three different love stories that all kind of happen at different periods of time but uh interesting okay. like sort of relate to each other and theme and and it's almost like this person in this one story also represents this person in the other story and so he actually is looking also for someone to write the uh like write a um uh like a screenplay of it he's also oh, interesting like, you okay. could very much hear his zontime inspiration in it too like through that sort of like um dialogue through the through the music you could really hear mm-hmm. that where it's like you know mm-hmm. you hear one thing and then like a uh the repetition of it but that's slightly different almost like you know i mean they it's say like that a lot, lot of motif. music. oh there you go they say a lot of music where it's like there are questions and answers and how you write the music mm-hmm. and you can hear that in almost a y sense but he's just playing music and okay. so he did some of it in piano but some of it he's like one of the sections was had a strong tango and argentinian vibe Sweet. to it. He did not play that on piano, but what he did do was he wrote out the instrumentation for um, trumpet, trombone, keyboard, guitar, and clarinet. And he had it all like written out and all the music written out. And he played it from his computer, like that section of it. And uh, it, it was a little weird to me. I found it, I almost wish he didn't do it. A lot of people found it very impressive because compositionally it was very impressive. But what right. bothered me a little bit is like And maybe it was all old people there, so maybe they didn't even recognize. I mean, I'm sure they did. They're not idiots. But, like, (laughs) (laughs) what bothered me about it was, um, like, it was so clearly, like, the electronic instruments just playing the music. It's too robotic. Yeah, it's not a a human playing it. I feel you. And it kind of threw off the vibe a little bit for me. So, like, that sort of, it didn't bother me, I guess. Oh, yeah, it did. Yeah, I'll say it. Yeah, it bothered way, you. Me. Nothing wrong and, with that. And it seemed to really like break up the beautiful piano playing he was doing. And some of them, some of the other ones, um, are not meant for piano as well, but he, he played it for the piano and it still sounded great. I mean, obviously, maybe that's not exactly how he wanted it to sound, mm-hmm. but it still sounded great. And it was a very romantic, uh, like piece. Like it was all about different love affairs. Uh, like the first one was about, um, the hesitancy of two people getting like a, like a diverse couple first. He said um, he pictured it as like some sort of interracial couple, but then he thought what's more diverse than a man and a woman trying to, you know, get together and all these old people laughed at that. Um, and then uh, the second one was about a relationship with a younger man and an older woman. The third act was about a relationship between um, a piano and older piano teacher and um, his student, but it was a, a gay relationship. And then the fourth act was about um, oh no, the fourth act was just brought all that together. And so it was very interesting. Uh, it bummed me out a little bit that he did the um, the computer part, but it was only like one section, and it wasn't or a section and a half kind of. and It wasn't ridiculously long, but it was great. I had a good time. Um, my piano teacher, I picked her up and drove her. Uh, she. Is great. Let me just start by saying that. But the drive from her place to the uh, concert was about 25, 30 minutes. Mm-hmm. She did not not talk for any part of that. <laughs> I believe She's it. She's just a very, like, very talkative person. Gregarious lady, huh? Yeah, very loquacious. <laughs> okay, nice. But it was a great time, and she was very thankful. And uh, it was an inspiration. I love going to these things because it's – especially when um, – You know, I love going to all of them, but especially when it's like composers, like whether it's that guy or Zhupstrom or something like that, because it's just so cool to see not only their creativity and like the intensity of their work and how much. And it's cool to watch them perform, it, especially on such a small stage where you're right in front of them, because you can really see the emotion and how much they relate to it. But also, um, you know, it makes me want to go home and practice for like six hours. You know, it's like, oh, I I want to do that someday. And so I, I I enjoyed it very much, and uh, I always enjoy these things. And so, you very uh, well could do that, Jared, for
0: sure. Oh, well, that's I want to I want to add my my two cents or my three cents to all this. So number one, um, I, I completely agree with you. You know, I remember when I was uh, studying music in undergrad, I had to do a couple um, orchestration pieces where I would either take a symphony and break it down to a quartet or take a quartet piece and blow it up to a symphony. Mm -hmm. And when you hear the playback on the computer, it just, it sounds too precise and too robotic. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and so, so I agree with you with that. Um, and then also, I think it's interesting that you mentioned, you know, he played the pieces that weren't necessarily for piano, but he played them. And I'm, I'm assuming because he's a pianist, that's probably his main outlet of, of composition right? I mean, that's why yes. so many composers use pianos, because you have such a huge range musically. Mm-hmm. There's, what,
1: 80, 88 keys? Is
0: that right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, It's
1: very versatile with, with right. the, the tones and, and what's the word? Octaves and how high and yeah. low you can mm-hmm. go for sure. Yeah. Yeah. The range. Exactly. Yeah. Range. That's um, what I was looking for.
0: And then, um, but my last question, this isn't really adding my two cents, but I'm just curious, what did you learn from the
1: experience? What did you take from it? Hmm... Um as it it, dedication that's one i mean hearing how long he's been doing this um seeing you know when he's talking about it seeing how passionate he is about it and not only when he's because in between each act he talked about like what you know it's it's representing and what he's trying to uh you know trying to portray between that and then actually watching him play you could like it just you could see that like how how into is. um that was really something that I, I took from it, and it's just like, it really puts into perspective how I don't practice enough. Like I practice pr- pretty, like say five to six days a week, whether it's you know at at a very least for twenty minutes for mm-hmm. five to six days a week. But it's just like this dude put in like hours a day, sure. and he's just, and I, I want that, and I, I don't know what it is like. Does it does that just come naturally? Does it come with time as you get better? But I, like I, that's something I really want is to be able to like sit in front of the piano like that for
0: hours. Like you do it's, it too. It's 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 one thing, one th- well two things, two things and two things only, discipline, mm-hmm. and just the fun and the joy of it. If you because I noticed when I started studying music, I took it so seriously that I started to not enjoy it as much. Because for me, it was something more, I mean, look, at the end of the day, we create music to say something, to feel something, to enjoy something, to, um, you know, to to share our feelings with others, things like this, right? And when when you, it's, I'm not saying that if you're a composer or an instrumentalist or singer or whatever, that you shouldn't take it seriously. I think by all means you should. But if you're taking it so seriously to the point where there's no more joy in it for you, Mm -hmm. why are you doing it? Right. And so for me, the the big thing is joy. I mean, I sit around um, and for any of our listeners out there who play guitar, invest in a guitar stand and put that right next to your couch, because although playing guitar while you're watching TV or doing something isn't really regimented and disciplined practice, I think it's still good to have the instrument in your hands. And sometimes I've come up with some really cool musical ideas just by... I, I like to call it noodling, just by kind of noodling around on my guitar. I think you got that from Shipstrom. N- no, I think that's an old guitar term that people have used okay. for a well, long, he said long that. time. He used that too. Right. I think that might be just a musician's term then. Just okay. kind of messing around you know, on the instrument. Um, but yeah, um, the only other thing I wanted to add um, is... I think it's actually a, it's, I get where he's coming from when he wants to explain his compositions, but I think that loses some of the allure to them, right? If I, Mm -hmm. if I write a piece and I tell you, oh yeah, this was about when I was heartbroken because XYZ happened, um, it doesn't really, in in a way, it doesn't really give the listeners their own opinion about the piece, right? If I tell you this is about a gay couple that were a piano student and a piano teacher um, that's then what goes into their mind. But I think the beauty of music and art is that it can be interpreted
1: in so many ways. I agree with you. And not only did he talk about... Uh, well, I'll, Not only did he talk about in between each act, but in between each, like, each act had a couple scenes. Each, in between each scene, he explained it. And I did think it was too much. I thought that uh, people seem to enjoy it, and I understand why they enjoy it. Sure. And I think he did it also because he wants it to be... A screenplay like he wants people to write write a, like a story to it mm-hmm. but i really do enjoy trying to figure out what is happening and, and that's part of the enjoyment of listening to m- music especially when it's by you know like a composer that you're looking at like him or jubstrom you know like when when you're when you're seeing them perform raw music yeah, I, yeah i've never seen him perform but yes it's the same thing uh, it's just like with any, or, or I mean, any, not even classical. You know, whether it, it could be jo- Joanna Jenkins too. It's you know, part of it is just is just trying to figure out what it is they're trying to convey and not putting mm-hmm. a, like such a clear story on it. Exactly. And I did think I I did sort sort of feel like that took away from it for me personally a little bit. Right. My sure. parent teacher was so inspired though. She okay was into it. Nice. Um, but uh, I not to say I didn't enjoy it, but I wish he didn't say so much because I enjoy trying to figure out what he's trying, well, what, he is, what he's feeling instead of him just telling me.
0: Right. Well, and the other thing is, too, um, there's a kind of an interesting rule I heard that, uh, John Mayer say in, in an interview. He said that his songwriter's rule is he never tells anyone who the song was written about, right? Mm-hmm. He wrote a song that was um, on one of his albums, and he has a line in there that has something about 22. And so everyone automatically equated that with Taylor Swift, because I think at the time she was 22. And she had um, that song. I don't know about you,
1: right, right. but I'm feeling 22. Exactly.
0: But the thing is like, and he, and he never said who the song was about because it takes away from it, right? Mm-hmm. And it makes it less relatable, you know? Um, but yeah, that's really awesome though, Jared. I'm glad you enjoyed it. Glad you took yeah. something away from it. Mm-hmm. Um, but now I think it's time to spread a
1: little love. For sure, for sure. Uh, do you want me to start? Absolutely. Let me first start by saying congratulations to all the people graduating from college and high school this year. Uh, it only gets worse. Uh, but Robert F. Smith—he <laughs> he almost made me spit out my water. <laughs> <laughs> Robert, Robert F. Smith is here to make it a little better. So. Oh yep, this is a good one. This oh, is a did good you one. you have this one too. No, 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 but I heard about okay, this. Okay, yeah. So it's so funny first. Well, I'll, I'll explain that later. But um, Morehouse College, uh, Robert F. Smith is a investor, uh, entrepreneur, philanthropist, all, the, all that good stuff. Millionaire. Uh, billionaire. 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 Sorry, mm-hmm. billionaire. Mm-hmm. Once you're a billionaire, you can start calling yourself uh, stuff like philanthropist and all that. No kidding. Uh, <laughs> anyway, he gave the um, commencement speech at uh, Morehouse College, which is a college in Atlanta. Uh, and uh, to, during his speech, he said that um, he would pay off student loan debts for uh, the historically backed college's graduating class. The total, uh, covered, the total amount covered for the 396 students is up to $40 million for 396 students. How crazy is that? First it is wild. All? But for a billionaire, that's just pocket change. That's true. That's true. And for all those other 396 people, for probably a good portion of them, that probably could stay with them until they die. <laughs> right, yeah. And uh, he said that he's going to uh, pay it off, and he's paying off all these people's graduation debts. And so that a lot of these, all these students, 396 of them, are, you know, that's about as big of a weight as any that can be lifted off of you while you're sitting in your graduation. Oh, definitely. Uh, because that's that's something that uh, weighs over people forever. You know, You, you know, you start right. making a lot of money, but... All it means is, oh, you, you still have to do that math. I'm like, all right, how much of this do I have to put out of, take out of my pocket and, and you know pay off this college debt? And uh, Robert F. Smith, <laughs> philanthropist, investor, baller, is <laughs> paying sure. off all these, people de- all these people's debts. And I think that's awesome.
0: That's 100% baller status right there. Yeah, that's, yes. that's great. And you know, Jared, what the number one factor for success for millennials is right now.
1: Mm, avocado toast that's number two oh, okay number two. <laughs> number one is um, ah. e- e- <laughs>
0: either either their parents paying paying for their education or paying off mm-hmm. their loans or having a small amount of loan debt like my my goal i do have some loan debt my goal is to pay it off within the plan is for 10 years my goal is to pay it off in five yeah. Um, so I can really cut a lot of that interest out. But for some people, that's not an option. You know, I was very fortunate. Um, my parents helped me out a lot. and um, But f- like you said, for many Americans, they will be carrying this debt for 20, 30, 40 years. Who, kn- who knows mm-hmm. how long? Um, and it's and it's really a shame, but it's a great thing, um, what he did to help these people out. So big for shout sure. out. All um, so I was,
1: um, mm-hmm? oh, no, was going to say was I was listening to a podcast just the other day and these this couple, they both went to the same in state school in North Carolina, mm-hmm. and they're forty now. They just turned one of them just turned forty the other day, and he was saying that he just paid off the final amount of his uh, of his loan uh, like his loan debt, and he went to an in state school, uh, you know, in the state that he lives in, and at forty he just paid it off. And it's yeah, just, that's, and it's that's just awful. like he was he went to the quote unquote cheaper option, <laughs>
0: right? And it took yeah. him until
1: forty to pay it off.
0: Yeah, it's crazy. It's absolutely crazy. How can you get ahead in life when you're still paying off all that money? And a lot of people say, well, why did you go to college? Why did you take on all that (laughs) debt? And it's like, at least in American culture, it's very difficult to get ahead. You can do it. I'm not Mm -hmm. saying it's impossible, but it definitely is a big help to have a college degree. For Um, sure. But yeah. So my first shout out goes out to the continent of Africa, And and I guess a smaller shout out to Tanzania as well, because Africa is actually leading the world in plastic bans. So Tanzania um, is actually implementing, as of June 1st, the second phase of its plastic bag ban, where visitors are, and this will be interesting for you, I guess, in case you uh, decide to take another trip to Tanzania sometime soon, visitors are advised to avoid packing or carrying any plastic bags as they'll have to leave these at a designated desk in the airport, um, and so they're <laughs> How doing hilarious this, is that though, where it's like you're on your way back? It's like, can I get my plastic bags back? <laughs> right, right. And then also, Kenya has had some efforts to make the country cleaner and greener. Um, and one of the reasons that they're uh, implementing this plastic bag ban is because um, you can see bags uh, hung on trees and blowing all over the place. And the other dangerous thing about these trees, if they're hung, uh, these bags hung in trees, is um, this creates breeding pools for malaria bearing mosquitoes. Mm. So, believe it or not, in Kenya, the penalties. Like sits in the bag or something? Mm, Yeah, if it rains or anything like that. Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. In Kenya, the penalties for ignoring the ban are actually the world's most strict or the strictest. Manufacturers, importers, and distributors and users found with plastic bags can face up to, believe it or not, $38,000 $38,000 in fines, or four Ooh. years in prison. So there you go. So big shout out to Kenya and Tanzania um, for banning and being strict about plastic bags to make a cleaner,
1: uh, cleaner countries. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. A lot of countries, a lot of other countries or specific stores now are starting to charge you for uh, if you use plastic bags. As they should. Reuse My, them. Uh, recycle them. I, I often bring a backpack when I go to the grocery store. I walk there, and my uh, lady friend recently brought me a bunch of like tote bags to use as nice. well. Nice. So I'm nice. trying to cut out the plastic bags because you know I also feel bad throwing them away. And so like the other option is that they just sit under my uh, my sink for for a long time. And it's like right. I'm not gonna do anything right. with these really. It's yeah. like I just feel so guilty throwing them away. <laughs>
0: right. I have my tote bag right here. Use nice. this every time I go grocery shopping. Um, nice and sturdy. It's a vinyl bag and. uh yeah. Gets a job done. Don't have to spend money on plastic bags and waste them. So yeah, mm-hmm. it's absolutely fantastic. The, the U S needs to catch up on that. Yeah. So my next shout out, Jared, goes out to our, uh, brothers and sisters in England. Uh, that's okay. a terrible accent, but, <laughs> uh, uh, England has, uh, um, pledged to plant 130,000 trees across England to combat climate change. Um, so I think this is absolutely fantastic. There was a grant from the government totaling about $10 million, um, that has been ama- available Sorry, through the Urban Tree Challenge um, to help fund this plan over the next two years.
1: Nice. Nice. I would say our lads and lasses. Do they say That's- lasses in England or is that Scottish? Do they only say that in Scotland? I thought that was an old kind of UK thing. Was it? Could be. I don't know. I don't know why I even had to add that in there. (laughs) (laughs) All
0: right. If I can get my computer to load, then I will um, talk about the next one. We'll see if I can get it to work. Yes. Oh. Yes. Here we go. And my last one goes out to India because India has slashed um, 90%. There has been almost a 90% slash in prices of nine anti-cancer drugs in India wow that's cool so big shout out to india for um cutting the prices of these um cancer treatments and medications something that the u.s could also take note on
1: Mm-hmm. yeah yeah listen up squarely Squirrelly the snake <laughs> i think i think he's out of there isn't he yeah i think he's in jail actually good good
0: well jared uh i think we've spread enough love now i mm-hmm. think you know what time it is
1: my favorite my favorite Uh, I'll start, I guess. Why not? Go for it. My first one is hausa, which is spoken in Nigeria and Niger. Haki, daka, lena, shikan, soni, maka, ido. That literally means... Do you know what that means? Just kidding. Uh, The the grass which you disregard will injure your eye. Huh.
0: Okay. So is this basically like the the thing that you... Don't pay attention to is most likely to be you know will will hurt you or or
1: uh, yes no? yeah yes but there's I'm going to need to be a little bit more specific than that the judges want a little bit more the judges okay I can see that in the Harry Potter closet the judges are not pleased all yeah, right there's let's not a see lot of here. space in here <laughs> <laughs> I mean but kind you're on of. on the like, right track very mm, much so
0: okay so it's well it's kind of like what. Yeah, what you overlook will end up biting you in the ass,
1: for lack of better. <laughs> I'll give it to you. Okay. But this is what the actual meaning is. No man or thing is too insignificant to be altogether disregarded. Yeah. Okay. So you were on the right track, but uh, okay. I think you got, kind of got it the second time. The judges, they're nodding their heads. They're, okay, good. Good. <laughs> well, thank you.
0: <laughs> thank you, judges. So mine is uh, Portuguese for you today. I okay. thought I would change it up a little bit. Um, Obrigado. This was uh, kind of a, my friend did not give me this one, but I was chatting with a very good friend of mine, Andrea, from Brazil, and mm-hmm. so I figured, why not tossing a Portuguese one today? So, this one, and I think you can guess what the word means, Jared. We'll see if you can read between the lines and figure out how it's used. So, the word is combinado. Like combination or combined uh-huh. or something?
1: Combined, very
0: good. But how do you think they use it?
1: Like you're going steady Mm-mm. with someone? Nope. Okay. Nope. You like how I whipped out the antiquated slang there? Right. Going steady. (laughs) Our last episode. Um, That was not our last episode. Um, That was two episodes ago. Um, um, Combined. That's not like the opposite of like going Dutch, but like, you know, like. Nope. Nope. Um, So Jared. um, Give me a clue or give it to me.
0: If we, if we, so say, you know, we need to record another episode sometime in the near future. Mm-hmm. We decide on a day, and I say uh, combinado.
1: Oh, it's like we're in agreement, essentially. Yeah, agreement or A-OK. Okay. 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 Uh-huh. All right, cool. Combinado. Uh-huh. Combinado. I've been, through, through all my Spanish learning, I've been... Learning that it's a uh, much better sounding language than English. Also, that um, <laughs> shots fired. <laughs> that I often, I often s- try to pronounce stuff either with a French accent or with an Italian accent. <laughs> yes, that's funny. I'm not surprised. Uh, I'm, now I'm now actually gets... surprised you don't bust out a German accent. It's pretty easy not to. I mean, there's, it's so different, you know. Right. And it's, but like, I, you know, Italian is just not natural to me. That's not true at all. But it's like just that accent is so easy to do. You know, that sort of sing-songy accent is so easy to do. And then French, like, that's my only sort of romantic language base. Um, uh, Regardless of everything I just said, my next one is Slovene. (laughs) Uh, For all of our Slovenians out there. And it's Kuzla Muvritskace. And that literally means have a bitch jumping into their ass. Wait, one more time? Have a bitch jumping into their ass or his ass or her ass or one. So is, ass. It, is is this like like take a hike, go to hell? No. So you mentioned, say we have to record an episode, mm-hmm. and say um, we have no episodes ready, but it's Wednesday night, and we're like, we need to do this. We can't skip an episode. Um, we have so we got to record it, but we have a bitch jumping into our ass. Let's get rolling. Let's let's do with this. Eh, we're under pressure. We're un- Ah, to be under pressure.
0: Okay. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. All right. Interesting. Under pressure. Mm-hmm. Under so, Jared, pressure. what do you think? Do you think today's the day I've run out of check on untranslatables? I'm going to say no. Today w- is I- not that day, <laughs> my friend. It is <laughs> not. <laughs> I do have another Czech untranslatable for you, and it is, nezustal kamen na kameni.
1: Literally, a stone was not left on a stone. Hmm. It's not similar to the American "No Stone Left Unturned," I assume. Um, no, it it does not. No, can you say it, the English one? I, I say it in English again. A
0: stone was not left on. A stone was not left on stone. Hmm. Or on a stone. Can you give me a, a clue? Um,
1: hmm. stone was not left on a stone.
0: You don't watch Game of Thrones, do you? No. Um. Okay. Hmm. Do you? Then that, then that won't work. Oh, yeah, of course. Oh, I didn't know that. Of course, yeah, yeah. How'd you feel about the finale? Uh, not great. Not great. Yeah, I've I mean, heard,
1: I've, that's what Twitter has been saying. Did you see the right. water bottle? Of course. <laughs> and, and the Starbucks cup. I got another one. Yeah. Um, I feel like the water bottle was just trolling at that point. Probably, probably. <laughs> I'm sure they have other
0: Easter eggs throughout the show that people just didn't pick up on. Um, um, let's see here. Well... You know, Jared, I'm going to take it back and say, I'm going to give you the a single stone was not left unturned. I'll give it to you. It's Basically, like nothing
1: was missed. Nothing was forgotten. W- or according avoided. to
0: this, though, it says the phrase refers to a great change, often a destructive one after which nothing is the same as before. Oh, okay, but then okay. they continue as if an earthquake or an attack demolished everything and therefore not a single stone was left unturned.
1: Yeah, I don't think I don't think I got that right, though. Okay, I think you are right not to give it to me. The judges agree. Okay, they're they're, not, they're not feeling that one. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough.
0: That's all I got for our untranslatables. Do you have any left today, Jared?
1: Uh, I'll save it for next time. We got more important things to talk about here. That not more is important, true. But other things.
0: That is true. So, Jared, let's start off by giving the listeners um, a brief overview of your mm-hmm. international school experience. So, where were you? You mentioned how long, um, yeah. but if you could just mention that again. And then I would also uh, really, I'm curious, and I would really a- appreciate knowing what was the, the, the like, makeup or demographic of your peers, and also mm. the teachers, because maybe the teachers weren't all German, I would assume.
1: No. Uh, so when I was a young boy at the tender age of 10 or 11, probably 11, um, we were sitting at dinner one day, and my mom and dad uh, told my sister and I that we'd be moving to Germany like over summer and I'd be starting my next school year in Dusseldorf, Germany. And 11-year-old me was pissed. I was 11, though, <laughs> I had to think about it. I was definitely 11. <laughs> I had just started sixth grade, and I had just started a new middle school. And, um, and just the idea of starting a new school is so daunting, especially at that young of an age, especially sure. someone of course. like me. that suck. By the way, me as a child is no different as far as making friends and, and being outgoing. So The idea of I uh, like I finally made friends, and I got to do this all over again. Um, so I was real mad and real scared, obviously, but I didn't know any better. I was a child, sure. Um, and so I moved to Germany the summer of 20... Whoa, 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 20 2004, I was 2011, 2004. Um, and uh, it was a pretty big culture shock at first, obviously. I spent the first month in Cologne, Cologne for our German listeners, and, um, and that was just during summer, so no school or anything, but that was, uh, my parents worked in a city called Kappen, which is very close to Cologne, actually way closer to Cologne than Dusseldorf, but then we got our, you know, it's time to move into our house, and then we moved into our house in a city called Meabusch, which was a suburb right outside of Dusseldorf, and um, so I started school. And the very first day, uh, we had to meet in the uh, like the auditorium, and I was standing outside before school started, just waiting. I got there early, and uh, there was one other kid that I saw standing out there too, and he just walked up to me, and he was like, "Hi, I'm Mick." Uh, his name was his name was actually Mitsuwaki Nishikawa, but he goes by Mick, and he uh, spoke English perfectly, and he's like. Um, He's like, uh, are you are you uh, new here? Waiting for going to, going to the uh, you know the auditorium or whatever. I was like, yeah. He's like, you want to be friends? And I was like, sure. And Mick and I were essentially pretty much not. I wouldn't say fully best friends, but we were. He was one of my closest friends my entire time I was there, and um, I still owe him so much for just being the that person because I would have never done that. But um, you know, it's interesting too because. It was an interesting look into something that I had not been ex- not experienced and not even really taken fully into account, and I'll get into this later. But he was Japanese. He g- grew up entirely in Japan up until that point. Um, but his English was perfect. You know, like he was speaking English just like normally. Because in Japan, he had also gone to an international school. And so he had grown up especially essentially speaking English since he was a young boy. And... Um, my makeup of friends was, or my class just in general, was, you know, it was super diverse. There were, um, I'll say some of the big ones, there were a lot of Japanese students, a lot of Korean, um, some front mm. The Japanese students, was that because of the automotive industry? I think it was because of a lot of industries. I don't think it was just automotive. I, you know, I was too young to fully know, for example, Mick, his... He didn't he, he didn't I don't fully actually know why he moved to Germany, speaking of being one of my closest friends, because, oh, I think his dad, his stepdad had spent time in, 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 um, in Germany before that, before like when he was younger, because Mick's dad was a sculptor like that was by profession. So he wasn't there for like some sort of industry thing other than, you know, he was an artist. Um, so it, I, I'm not going to say it was just automotive, but I'm sure that was some of it. There were also a good amount of Koreans. I think that was a lot because of LG. There was a big LG, uh, uh-huh, okay, the, the LG, the tech, the tech firm, right? Yeah, computers, uh, not yeah. computers, TVs, phones. Mm-hmm. Uh, what else do they make? Dishwashers. There was a big LG office in Germany somewhere, and so okay. there were a lot of Koreans. I had some British friends, um, some French friends. some French friends, some one a couple. From the Scandinavian countries, some Finnish, some Swedish, um, no Danish. I don't think I had any. any I don't think I knew anyone. No that Danes, was Danish, huh? Um, and I'm sure I'm missing a bunch. I, oh, Russian, some Russians. Um Pajolsta. A, a good amount. Pajolsta. A good amount of Turkish, because um, you know there's a large Turkish community in Germany. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, any country you can name. I'm sure I've missed a bunch. Some of them, probably being my close friends, I've probably missed out, um but yeah there was it was very diverse, and then there was also, as far as teachers go, surprisingly not as diverse, oh okay. some Australian too uh surprisingly not as diverse because there was German teachers were obviously German, that was easy right. all, all most of the language teachers were from that country, so i had I took French as well uh, all the French teachers I can think about of the top of my head were French, um one of them was my friend's mom um. That was weird going to their house and uh, anyway, um, <laughs> <laughs> um, and then uh, a good amount of American teachers, a good amount. Uh, I had a couple from Australia. Hook a brother up with a job at uh, Dusseldorf International School. Well, well they don't even. Uh, I'm a nobody to them now. <laughs> um, a good amount of. Uh, British, Australian, New Zealand, one or two from New Zealand. Actually, there was a couple. They were teachers from New Zealand. They were married, and they got divorced while uh, they were still there. That Ooh, was a that's awkward. little messy. They, I mean, they seemed to get along. It wasn't like they were, like, yelling in the classrooms or something. Right. But uh, they did definitely get divorced. Um, so, yeah, it was just a very diverse group. I'm still trying to think of other countries. Not that it really matters, but just think most most countries you could think of. So can I ask you then, what was, I'm assuming
0: that the, the language of instruction in the 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 regular courses like, you know, history or math or science or whatever were English, yeah? Correct, yes. Okay. And how how were a lot of the students' English levels? Were there any of them that seemed to really struggle with the English language or were all of them pretty proficient?
1: It was pretty varied. I mean, you know, people, some of the people there showed up like I did, you know, like they showed up. But you know, from non-English speaking countries, so like, there were people I can think of a couple Japanese people off the top of my head that were in the same situation as me. They were sitting at home one day and were like, "Hey, you're going to Germany," and so they had they had just been grown up in, for example, I'm thinking of specific Japanese people. That's why I'm saying Japanese. Uh, but there were people from various countries. Some German people like that too. But like you know, they just grew up in a normal in their their normal school system, and then it's like, well, now you got to speak English and learn in English. So there were students that had a uh that were coming in with almost nothing and they did have obviously specific classes for those students that was a more intensive english teaching class to okay, uh nice because you know it's 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 sort of unfair but it's also the oh, reality definitely. of things but then there were also a large amount of people like Mick where their english was so good that you know this was uh interesting culture shock for me i did have experiences though where and i learned to stop doing this quickly I thought people were um like people's English was so good that I a few few people I just called American. I remember specifically this one girl's like, you think Ooh, I'm American? Wow. And she's like and I was like, I don't know, your English is really good. She's like, I'm from Norway. <laughs> you jerk, Jared. How how inconsiderate. I don't know. I don't everyone's English was so good. How like, culturally not everyone, insensitive. So I never really experienced accentless. English speak like non-native English speaking before. Yeah. Like uh, they didn't have an American accent, and that became clear later once I became more aware sure. of different cultures and accents and stuff. Right, right. But they had like they were accentless. It was just nothing. Yeah. And, well, um, I,
0: I think they l- probably learned standard standard English, which yeah isn't British. It's not really American. Um, I I know what you mean. I have a friend, um, and she I cannot usually peg her accent. Um, right. And for kind of for the same reason. So interesting. So and you mentioned that the kids who were weaker English speakers had classes to catch them up.
1: Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah. I was actually, you know, over the how many years, four years that I was there, it was interesting to see some of the people's English progress too. like there were some people that got there the same year I did. And then, you know, a year later, two years later. I'm having a conversation with them. Maybe not a full casual conversation, but we can at least understand what each person is saying and it's not just mm-hmm. like a um, just like a hand motions, you know? Sure, gestures, yeah. I, I think also what helped a lot with that, and this also helped a lot with me learning German, was sports. That was a big part. That mm. was a big help for sure.
0: Now, let me ask you, because I know at least in Germany and here in the Czech Republic, sports is a club thing, not a school thing. But mm-hmm. I think the international schools... I'm going to go out a limb and say I think they kind of do it similarly to the way we do
1: it in the states, where they actually have school sports teams. Correct? We had both, so we had Sportverein, which was sport club, mm-hmm. and that's where our school team played against the clubs in the in the in the you know the Düsseldorf area, mm-hmm. and that was playing against you know your traditional German teams, and then we also had something called Nisus, which was I don't know what that stands for. Look it up. But we played against. Um, I didn't mean you specifically, by the way. <laughs> I just meant for our listeners if they care. We played against other international schools. So we played against some of the big international schools I remember playing against. The Hague. We had a huge rivalry with the Hague. They had a very good soccer team. Okay. And it got physical a couple times. We um, usually won? Let's not talk about it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> okay, fair, fair enough. Uh, and then we, uh, Amsterdam, Frankfurt. Um Antwerp. Um there was one in Sweden, I can't remember what it was called. Um Did you play any in, in Belgium? Rotterdam. That's Antwerp. Antwerp's in Belgium. Oh duh duh. Okay. Uh Rotterdam was another one in Netherlands. Um, those are the ones that come to mind and so that was international schools and I believe I talked about that a little bit because I remember mentioning that I like we stayed with some of the like our teammates uh, families so that was always, uh, it's always a always awkward actually you know Mick McMiner which is on all of my social media and stuff that came from uh, one of those soccer trips we did a soccer trip to Amsterdam And uh, they had, like, McCroquettes and all these weird, like, Dutch foods with Mc in front of it. And so we were, like, saying Mc in front of a bunch of McDonald's, right? Yes, 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 yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And so we were saying Mc in front of, like, a bunch of random things. Like, let's get onto the McBus. And (laughs) someone called me McMinor, and it kind of just stuck. And uh, and people called me that for a long time after that. And my mom even calls me McMinor from time to time. Not going to lie, when I first saw that on Facebook... I had seen it so many times. I, for some stupid reason, I thought that was your last name. I, I was had like, How? friends, right. You're not the only one. I had legitimate friends where I was like, you know, that's not my last name. Like, you know, a year or two into knowing this person, I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> I feel so betrayed. <laughs> right. I actually heard that exact line from people, right? Um, but yeah, McMiner was not my real name. Uh, but yeah, so the English levels varied widely. And I quickly learned also to spot accents, even when they don't have a specific accent, to be like, well, their English is perfect, but that's definitely not an American. Like, that's, that's just, right. like, generic. I know how to speak English very well. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, yeah, that was uh, interesting. Uh, it was also great because, um, you know, that's really where my untranslatable uh, career started you know i learned a whole bunch of either i learned weird sayings from from classmates don't ask me cuz i don't remember any of them i was just
0: going to ask you okay or, could you preface that
1: or people would say like sayings directly translated and we'd be like what
0: <laughs> right sure
1: <laughs> so that and happened we, a lot we know very well here that that does not work yes for sure for sure and so I, I did get a lot of that when i was younger um and it was it was it was a it was a good experience though it was it was cool um, I'm trying to think. Well, um, I mean, there's plenty of other stuff I can talk about, but uh, these are all going to be non sequiturs. Well, I got, I got some, I got some more questions for you. Don't
0: you worry? Oh, okay, please. So, so you know, we discuss a lot about language here on our podcast, and I'm curious, what was language instruction like for French? You, you also had to take German, I'm
1: assuming too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it was so interesting. What, what were those classes like? Yeah. Because it almost seemed like they were. Like, you had to take German, and then you had to take some other language, French, Spanish. I think there were probably other ones, too. Maybe Japanese. Um, And so, you know, everyone took German. And German was... It was very grammar-based, like, in America. But there was also that clear focus on getting people to speak. But I don't think it was as hard as, like, like the English classes that some of the non-English speakers had to go through. I think they were way more focused... Almost to the detriment of students, maybe, if we weren't, I guess, immersed in it. But, like, it really was very similar to an American-style language class. Like, it was very grammar-heavy. That makes me a little
0: sad, not gonna lie.
1: But I don't think there was a need to put that focus on speaking, because we were already immersed into it. I think it made sense in in the time yeah, where it's like fair. we don't really need to teach you how to speak it like you're going you you can't avoid it you're like so you you so we're going to teach you how to speak it properly and so it made sense to me and it, it never seemed like a um like a like I never felt like I wasn't getting full like enough german education and I think it's just because the language part of it came just through living really and I was young mm-hmm. enough where it was still absorbed so quickly and so easily
0: and w- were you ever did you ever have that kind of language anxiety? We've talked about it when I first moved oh, here. yeah, dude. Um, where you would go places and you, and you would be really afraid to speak. Because I feel like, though, at 11, oh. you, you know what I mean? I feel like when you're young like that, the 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 fear of sounding stupid isn't quite as inside you as as you get yes, older. You're right. Now, I didn't have that fear, really.
1: But I did make a lot of mistakes. <laughs> well, that's that's a part of the process. There's not really much you can do I'm, about it. Yeah, no, I didn't have the anxiety. And especially since, like, you know, sometimes it was like trying to be part of conversations with friends because there were a lot of Germans at the school as well. And so it's like they'd be speaking in German and like I'd want to be part of that. And so I'd say something. And then you get that hard roast on like, (laughs) what are you talking about? I remember getting roasted from, I can't remember his name now. Uh, But I remember getting roasted by this one Korean dude. That spoke German fluently. And like, uh-huh. I tried to say something in German, and he's like, What? <laughs> I was like, You're supposed to be on my side. <laughs> right. And I was like, Oh, it turns out he speaks German perfectly. Uh, Sounds like my side of the untranslatable podcast every episode. <laughs> <laughs> I am not on your side. Uh, that's a common. <laughs> common misconception here on this podcast but you uh, but definitely it turns out, aren't afraid to to give me a couple good roasts turns out my computer is not on my side either so uh there we've also learned that what can you um, do so yeah um french was different though french um well french was actually maybe it wasn't different now that i think about it it was also kind of taught in a similar fashion and it showed by the fact that my french i don't think really got much better the entire time i was there
0: now, now, can I ask, for German and for French, did you ever go on, like, excursions or, you know, because you're not that far from, well, uh, I think they speak French. They speak French in Belgium, don't they? But it's way different.
1: Uh, I don't know if it's way different, but they do speak French okay. in half of Belgium. Half is Flemish, okay. half is French. I mean, I guess you aren't that far from, from France, though, if you're in Düsseldorf, are you? No, no. No, I've taken many road trips with my family to uh, France. Um, No, we're not that far. And No, I did not. I have a whole section on field trips. None of them were language based. But that is something that I think is one of the greatest parts of my international school experience was the field, field trips. So let's hear about them. So I went I did go to Belgium. Funny that you bring that up. But not for language. So I went for like history classes and stuff. So okay. we went to like where the Battle of Bulge was. Oh, cool. And so All we right. did like a lot of World War II related stuff. Um, we went to the Netherlands. I don't fully remember what that was for. But I remember walking through Amsterdam and walking through the Red Light District and, and being like 14 of being like, this is an experience. <laughs> no, um, no kidding. No kidding. <laughs> we did this trip to Switzerland. I don't remember exactly what city it was. Um, and forgive me, I was a child, everyone. Like, <laughs> but um, I do remember specifically it was like sort of like a camp. So like, oh, cool. I remember making okay. making tea with uh, da- with uh, dandelions. Not dandelions. What are the yellow ones? The yellow. Can- that's dandelions. Oh, that's dandelions. Sorry, I was thinking those were the blowy things.
0: I mean, those are also dandelions as well.
1: Do those turn into the yellow flowers? Oh well,
0: well, anyways, I think that I think I, we uh, learn yeah. something new every day here on the whole right, right. Podcast.
1: <laughs> the, also, I like how you call them the, the blowy things. <laughs> so we made flour, or we made tea with the leaves of those. Uh, I remember uh, camping out. I I learned that, and I'm still not sure if this is true or not. But I remember learning that marshmallows were illegal in Switzerland. There, wait, what? And so we, I don't know if they still are, don't quote me on that, but I just remember learning that whether I was right or wrong. And I remember hiking through the Alps and oh, that was sweet. really cool. And it was like, we stayed on like the sort of like summer camp-esque cabins. You remember those things? Yeah. Oh yeah. Of and course. that was really cool. And then our school did a ski trip every year. I didn't go every year, but I went one year. And that's what I've talked about before, where the one year I went was to Su Hull, which is in Italy. Mm-hmm. But that was a weird experience because they speak German there. Yep. And so I was in Italy but they were speaking German. Uh and so those were some of the big ones. I remember uh I may I'll maybe if well I will do it cuz I will remember. I'll post a picture of me uh as a young child sitting in a wooden shoe. Yes. All in right. In the Netherlands. <laughs> I got to dig up some old pictures from uh, from back oh, in the I'm sure Disneyland. you have some gems. I'm sure. Oh, I definitely do. I definitely do. Uh so yeah, field trips was a big part of it and that was really cool. I mean, being able to take these trips to all these countries that, for the most part, I hadn't been to. Um, what I found interesting about my time there, you know, this is all stuff that I'll I'll preface by saying a lot of the stuff I've learned in hindsight and really, uh, not really on the job, you know, because I think I was too young to really think about this. But a big part of it is, like, there still is... Like, we're still outsiders, no matter how comfortable we get. In a sense, not outsiders. This is a weird way to put it. But you still kind of feel like outsiders, even if you get very comfortable in the country. So even after being there for years, like, we got comfortable and used to it. But, like, there was a strong American community and Japanese and Korean and whatever sort mm-hmm. of uh, right. nationality you were that was very powerful. And I, I got – I don't know if this was planned or if this was lucky, but one of my closest friends still to this day – uh we lived in a big house, but it was a duplex, so split down the middle. And my neighbor was Akash and he uh and his family, the gold bullies, they um became like very close friends. He was two years younger than me, still is two years younger than me. That hasn't changed. Um, <laughs> and um down the street from me was the Butlers. They were also American and they now live in California. The gold bullies now live in Boston. And then one of my other close friends lived in my neighborhood, not not that close to me, but he was like a walking or biking distance away. The uh, Clements, Matt, was, uh, and my, my sister is actually friends with his brother, Daniel. And um, all three of our families, especially the butlers and gold bullies, uh, we, had a, we had a very tight-knit relationship. And, and um, two of us, me and the gold bullies, it was first the butlers, then me. Then the gold bullies that came in. Oh, excuse me, Matt was actually there before all of us, the Clements. And it was interesting to see how like my parents like used them as like a like as resources mm-hmm. and how they learned from them and how like it seemed like they became a lot more comfortable having that sort of safety net where it's oh, like, it How definitely do you find house? Or how does this work? Or how do you do this? And it's like, Oh, we got you, Right. And so, uh, they became very close friends, but I um also had a lot of like um you know obviously friends with just the locals and so we played you know soccer brought soccer was what brought everyone and everything together for me like that was the biggest like connector and so we played a lot of soccer in our neighborhood a lot of it would end up with just me like uh, oh and they're actually a british family across the street from me now that i think about it i don't remember oh the wilds but um soccer brought everyone together so like in, in in front of my house there was like this big sort of parking lot and there was a wall on one side and a wall on the other that was like almost, you know, the same size, perfect distance. Those were the goals. Oh nice. And like you would just people would just show up. And um I had uh and like so that that was a that was really cool. And that was also a great way to make friends with and another way that had nothing to do with school to improve my German. You know, some of them spoke German fine or excuse me, spoke English fine, some of them didn't. Mm-hmm. It was all varying levels. So that was great. And, uh, you know, just playing soccer, I cannot stress enough how much that really played a role. Right. Um, and, uh, yeah. And uh, I'm trying to think. That's – Would you have any more questions? Because that's really all – I have some other things about coming back, That, but that's really all I have about being there. Well, I, I guess what, I what were
0: some of the differences that you noticed while while being there, whether they be – Cultural differences, differences in the way things were taught. Maybe mm. it was still very similar to, uh, like, an American school. I have no idea. Like I said, I've never uh, been a student at an international school. So, what, what are some of the similarities? Excuse me, similarities and differences between American um, American public schools um, versus uh, the international school in Düsseldorf. Huh.
1: I think because we were so young, there's not many I could think of except for one. Okay. And we've talked about this a little bit. The um, the Asian students, Korean, Japanese, there were some Chinese students, not a lot, but there were some, were way more respectful in class. Like, they were quieter. Okay. They were um, less likely to, like, talk in class, but I think once you got to, like, the... Um, but I think a lot of that also changed because they got so used to the environment and because it was such an uh, international group. But that was a big one. I think the teaching was pretty standard to what you'd be used to because um, so because the teaching was the teachers were there were a lot of American teachers, and just because there was a lar- very international group of teachers uh, appealing to a very international group of students. and so I think One of the most surprising things is how quickly I actually got used to it and how it wasn't, as far as the school aspect goes, it wasn't that different. One thing that was different, though, was that, uh, and I didn't fully experience this because I left at the time I did, but they did IB. Do you know what IB is? Mm -hmm. Yeah. International Baccalaureate. Yep, there you go. And that um, starts really in 11th grade, like the actual IB. And what it is is you have to choose three higher-level classes, which are sort of like advanced classes, and um, three standard-level classes. Something like that never made me realize how bad of a student I really was because I had the really? hardest time choosing what would be the three like, higher-level classes I would take. And not only do you have to choose it, but the, your teacher has to approve that you could do it. Right. And that do you think you real- would have been approved? I mean, I went through the process because, like, uh-huh, okay. I found out that I was leaving, like, midway through 10th grade, but I still had to go through the whole process. Right. And some that of them, of like, my teacher was like, <laughs> eh. <laughs> I mean, I guess really? you could do it. <laughs> uh, and some of them, were like, one of them, they were like, yes. Two of them, they were like, I mean, you really want to do this? I was like, I don't know what else to do. What, <laughs> what else uh, is my other
0: option? <laughs> what, 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 were, what were the classes or the, the, the track you wanted to go? Had you His- have stayed? History.
1: Okay. English. And like English lit or like what? Yes, yes, okay. yes, yes. Okay, okay. How funny would that be if it was just learning to speak English? ESL <laughs> <All laughs> right. class. English, motherfucker, <laughs> do you speak it? Uh, uh, I don't remember what the third one was, but uh, the history one, maybe it was a math related class. And the math related one, my, the teachers are like, You really want to do this? And I was like, okay. I got to do something, bro. Um <laughs> Something that I thought was really cool that I did in tenth grade that i don 't know if we really have something similar to this. we had a practicum which okay. for two weeks we got to, there was a list of companies to choose from it 's an internship to, for
0: our listeners out there that don 't know what practical yes, means and you
1: had to do an internship for like a two week internship at a company. no school that was just your that was just your assignment for two weeks was to go to this company or go to this company back then, I used to think I wanted to be a lawyer just because I thought they were all rich or something and um So I uh, did a practicum at a law firm, and I uh, also – it was really cool because I got to – you know, I did a lot of, like, busy work for sure, but I got to go to a lot of court cases, like, German court cases. Interesting. Yeah, Yeah, like, went with the lawyer to the court cases. I almost got to go to a prison, but it didn't happen, and I was so bummed. (laughs) But I did go to a lot of court cases, and that in itself is another example of, like, why – I don't I think the way that German was taught made sense because like, you know, obviously, even as someone that by that point I had been there for, you know, three plus years. So my German was good. But mm-hmm. like, I didn't know much about legal terms like I like I sure. never. And so sitting in the in those courtrooms gave me a whole other aspect of German that I never got. And it was a like a crash course on a bunch of words that I never even thought about learning before. Right. That was really cool, and also one of the lawyer. My mom <laughs> used that uh, that uh, my experience there to get out of a speeding ticket. No lie, she uh, <laughs> she like uh, she like contacted me. I was like, "Hey, can you uh, give me one of those lawyers' num- uh, numbers?" And she called them, and they got her out of a speeding ticket. <laughs> nice, nice using them connections. That's what you got to uh, do. Yeah, networking. That's what it's all about. Right. Well, Jared, then
0: let me know what what was it like for you coming back and adjusting. Back to the American education system for high school.
1: Yeah, that was tough. That was tough. In what ways? You know, starting sc- sc- starting a new school. I'd already moved around a lot, bef- not a lot, but I'd moved around a bit before that. Starting a new school in 11th grade in high school. That's hard.
0: That's because tough like,
1: for sure. Like I, even though like I got comfortable, I never really like. I always kind of felt like an outsider, you know, because, like, all these people had known each other from, like, elementary school and middle school and stuff like that. Sure. And they had, like, friend groups and all that stuff. And it was also hard, too, because I went to an all-boys school. So, like, the meeting girls part of it was weird, too, because, like, a lot of – and this was before the apps, by the way. And <laughs> I sound like my <laughs> no or something. No Tinder eh? A lot of people had, like, known people from, like, their middle schools and all that stuff, and I didn't know anyone. And I felt like I was always kind of an outsider, and I think my friend group kind of reflected that. Most of my friends were either weirdos or people that you were fit also— in perfectly. Thank you. <laughs> or uh, people that were also, um, like, new around my time as well. Okay. Uh, dude, the first, I don't know, two weeks of school, I sat at lunch by myself just completely. Oh. But that was bro. Oh, my that makes fault. me so sad. It was my fault. I'm not putting it on the students. It was my fault, and I got to a point where <laughs> the principal, or we call him headmaster, walked up to me and he's like, "Minor, you can't, you can't do this." He's like, "You gotta, you gotta stay with other people," and I was right. like, "No, I'm fine. I'm fine." Um, I can totally see you doing that too. Do you want to add to the, uh, uh, why am I bringing this up? Yep, bring it up, bring it up. (laughs) I want to hear it now. So uh, I did have like a friend group and it was really weird because we like, we had uh, everyone kind of sat at the same lunch table all the time. And so if there were ever in a situation where a, A good part of my lunch table wasn't there. A few other people would sit at other tables. There were a couple. Oh no, I don't want to bring this up. Bring it up. Come on. (laughs) There were a few times where I would uh, either not eat lunch or just go somewhere else. Or a few times I would uh, eat lunch in my car. I would literally either take it to my car or I would just use that excuse to leave like lunch. I would drive like leave campus during lunch, which you're not supposed to do, and go to like McDonald's or something. Actually, one time I did that with one of my friends, and we actually saw... Actually, I did it twice. We saw one of our teachers at the same place. Oh, and one that's time, too funny. one time they were like, if you do it again, uh, you're going to be in trouble. The other time, she kind of laughed it off. Right. Um, but those two teachers were very good friends, and they were talking about... One of the teachers brought up, hey, remember that one time I saw you at uh, blah, blah, blah? And the other teacher was like, wait a second. I saw him too. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great. <laughs> that's great. Um. But yeah, no, it was just... Like I wasn't. I don't want to make it seem seem like I was some like full. Like I wasn't. Full I had a fledged weirdo. Time. Well, I was a full fledged weirdo, but I wasn't like a full fledged outcast or anything like that. Right. Like, like I had friends and stuff, and like on the weekends I had friends to hang out with, but like it, I never really felt like I fit in. You know, like I always felt like I was just like a, um, sort of like the new kid. And yeah. I actually asked before I, I went to like a all boys private uh, Catholic school. I asked over summer if I could go to a public school. Well, I don't remember which, but one of, my te- one of my parents was okay with it. The other one's like, no, you're going to go to this school. I really don't remember who said what. But um, I really did want to go to a public school. I thought that would I- – I'd never done that before, and I thought it would be a, a change of experience and what I've always wanted. And I It's didn't interesting. It.
0: I can, t- I can yeah. tell you that
1: much. It's interesting. And in my head, I was like, it's going be so much cheaper. What do you mean you don't want it? <laughs> right.
0: Well, they just want the best for
1: you. I, I get it. Um, Actually, yeah. speaking of which, I would have gone to the school that uh, – the, the person that started us doing the uh, travel series, Alex Yaw, she went to Seaholm. Uh, uh-huh, that's okay. the school I would have gone to. I lived in Birmingham when I came back. Interesting. Interesting. Mm-hmm.
0: I, I can I can totally understand, though, too, about the – when you come back, you feel like you don't belong. Um, I, I kind of felt that way a little bit when we came back after Vienna, to be honest, because yeah. you have these experiences that no matter how – interested and engaged the people are in your stories of your experiences, they'll never experience them or truly understand it unless they've gone through something similar. Right. Mm -hmm. And how many high school kids in the States can say that they spent, you know, what, what was it? Four years at an international school in Germany. Right. So it's, it's tough. Um, and, and also like you said, especially high school is a difficult time in general, let Mm -hmm. alone when you come there and you're brand new. Um, and it's funny, Jared. I actually befriended most of my good friends. If if you do a little bit of Facebook in, um, you can find most of my friends in high school were foreign exchange students, and I think I gravitated I met, towards I've met two them. Of them. Um, right, and I think I gravitated towards them in a way because I felt kind of like Mick did, where I was like, "These people don't have friends. I'm mm-hmm. also curious about their culture and would like to learn, you know, about their culture." And um, so, yeah, some of my best friends in high school, Lassa was from Germany, Felix was from Germany, Um, Alejandro was from Spain, Robert, Robert. well, yeah, I guess Robert, I consider him different because he wasn't an exchange student, but yeah, my best friend uh, throughout high school was my buddy Robert from Chile. But Shout he was out still like
1: thrust into a weird uh, experience, experience right. and, for him. And,
0: and he and he was he was one of the ones that it was easy for me to become such uh, a good friend with him because we both had two of the same interests: tennis and playing guitar. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so we automatically gravitated towards each other. When you have those, like you mentioned with soccer or football, you know, when you have those mutual interests, it's so easy to make friends and become very close with them as well.
1: Um, so yeah. Uh, I will say, though, once again, one thing that really helped when I came back to the U.S., sports. that like, that's always Mm -hmm. helped. Soccer, Mm -hmm. especially since now that I'd played in Germany for four years, I was way better. Not than everyone. That's ridiculous. But I was, like, one of the better players on the team just because I had had just a, I think, one, in Germany, I played soccer year-round, like, like, against teams year-round. Sure. So I had way more experience. And it's just way more intense playing in Europe the, than it is level, playing in the Exactly. The level of yeah. play is so much so higher. So I was in like Europe. I was good on my I was one of the best one of the top players on my team and I think that helps just to one, not be considered a weirdo. And to right. two to help make friends. Another sure. thing I'll say though, something that I thought about a lot is I often uh and this is probably even after I graduated college, but I often wondered like what would I have been like if I had just not been to Germany and just spent my entire uh high school, middle school career in, in America, like most kids. I feel like... You're, you're looking at them. Oh, God. I'm so glad I lived in Germany. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God damn it, Jared. I, I don't think that's true, though. I wouldn't be speaking German. I mean, the only reason I started learning German was because I live there. Um, like, I, I wouldn't have the perspective I, do, I have. I probably wouldn't be doing this podcast. Like, I, I just think about right. all that stuff, and I feel like that... It was such, like, it made such an impact on, like, my personality and who I am now. Mm -hmm. Like, I can't even picture or consider, like, what I would have been like without it. Because I feel like I would have been, I don't know. I don't know. I just feel like I would have hated, like, Germany, having lived in Germany, me, would have hated having only lived in America, me. Right. Well, and that's why I think I was
0: searching for these opportunities to go abroad as I got older because I didn't have the opportunity when I was younger. Mm -hmm. I went to Germany for the first time when I was 14 with my parents, uh, two weeks, and I really loved it. And I thought, oh, I need to come back here and I need to learn the language. And uh, I'm really happy you went to Germany because I don't think we would have, one, we obviously wouldn't have this podcast. Mm -hmm. Two, we would not have studied abroad in Vienna, Austria. Which still to this day, it blows my mind that it was a complete coincidence. We did not discuss it beforehand. Yeah. We I just happened to you... bring it up at like dinner or something. <laughs> no, I think it was after the study abroad meeting.
1: Oh. Because oh, I asked you, I was like, right.
0: yeah, so where do you think you're going? Because I knew you were going to a German-speaking country. You're mm-hmm. like, Vienna. And I was like, no way, me too. <laughs> so it was, it was good. And I think it probably gave you less culture shock Maybe also less of a honeymoon phase. You can correct me if I'm wrong, but when you went to when you went to Austria, because you yeah, had for you sure. had been there and done that. For me, it was. I think I might romanticize and glamorize my time abroad in Austria a bit more than you probably would, because it was the first time for me really living abroad. Whereas for you, you know, it was your your second time living in a German speaking country. Um,
1: so yeah, but I feel. But yeah, I see what you're saying, and I, you're probably right. But I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that you're also there for a year and I was there for a semester. I feel like I would romanticize it way more if I was there for the whole whole year. That's true. Because yeah, it wasn't my first time being thrust into like a a new country like that. But I mean, that that's not that I I don't want to take away from the experience of being a college kid living uh in Vienna by myself. Like that's that was still shocking. You know, I right. didn't have my parents there to take care of me only financially through Online wire transfers, right? Uh, <laughs> right. <laughs> well, so like, it was still like a uh, an a oh, crazy experience. Oh, definitely. We we had a lot of crazy
0: times. That's for sure. Yes, yes. That is for sure. So Jared, I have one last question for you. Mm-hmm. What was? And this one might be a doozy, but I'm gonna ask you anyways. What was your favorite thing about living abroad in Germany and going to an international school? Hmm. Um. I'm sure you knew I was going to ask you this, or you hadn't. You would think so,
1: but I would think I haven't. But I'm trying to think of like how to word it. Uh, One, I have a couple. One, my ability to uh, communicate with—I really appreciate my ability to communicate with people of varying English levels varying Mm -hmm. cultures and nationalities like that's something that you know i learned as i mentioned in a variety of embarrassing and difficult ways sure but i think that that is something that still is very useful today like i'm i've been in so many situations bro where like i listen to some american like well for example when i was in studying abroad and i went to france for that project through my through our college or whatever yeah um so many experiences where like you hear an american speaking um speaking English to a non-native English speaker, and you're just mm-hmm. so much more aware of how unaware Americans are and yep. how, we, how yep. we carry ourselves. Like, that was really the first time I was aware of, one, how loud we are, two, how fast we speak, mm-hmm. three, how unaware we are of it, <laughs> like, yep. and yep. four, how even once we're aware of it, nothing changes. <laughs> yeah. I've so become was,
0: hyper-aware because of my job as a teacher, but I think otherwise yeah. I wouldn't be so aware.
1: Right, right, right. Uh, so that one was a big one for me. And two, honestly, and this is gonna be, I'm f- full Chad cheesiness. Yes, how, I love it. How not different we really all are. Like, once. Yes, because, yes, <laughs> I am loving this. Because like, I, I it was just like, an, it, it really just felt like normal school to me. Like, I didn't feel like, after, I don't know, it wasn't even that long to, uh, to like, you realized I was like, this is just school. Like, it's not that big of a right. deal. And like, especially as kids. You know, like kids are are kids. And like even though, you know, maybe you realize at the beginning that some of the Japanese students were more respectful in class, but it's like, yeah, but once we get out of class, they're still all kids doing kid shit. Yep. Um yep. and I, I think it really um that that was a big uh eye opener for me because I think, you know, part of the um part of my fear when I first heard about it was like, I don't know how to like interact with these people, like I don't know what to expect. And it's like there's nothing to expect. It's like it's just like it's, it's, it's very similar. But um, I don't know. And I think one thing that I, I cherish to this day, and also I kind of regret, but I cherish the fact that I had such a wide variety of friends. Uh, I mean, in my closest just friend group, one of my friends, Victor, he was a weird kid. Actually, I saw him in New York a couple of years ago. But uh, he, he was always a weirdo. And we had a friend group. My main friend group was Mick, uh, Kay, Victor, I'd say Nick Barone. Uh, Nico, Kevin, and in that group, there were, uh, a German person, one half German, one half Italian. No, excuse me. Two half German, half Italian, one German, two Japanese, one French, me as an American. Oh, Korean. Um, and I just, and it was just like, it was just, oh, English, Phil. Yeah, I just love that wide variety of uh oh an American Philip, another Philip. Um no, excuse me. That's his brother, Peter. Uh I just love the the variety of, of of people I met. And and it and once again, as cheesy as it sounds, we're not not we're not that different. No, <laughs> like, I would agree. It, we quickly at least we, I mean, I quickly just like you know, it's not like I had to act any different. Right. Um, you could just be you. Yeah. I love that. It was great. Which
0: Leads us into another direction, which mm-hmm. is our song of the pod this week, titled "Du bist We're anders." You are different, <laughs> by Anen Maya Kantaray. Anen Mai sorry. Which is a German group, um, and I think they're absolutely fantastic. And um, yeah, so the song is called "Du bist anders." You are different, and I guess the first thing I have to say about the song is the
1: uh, singer's voice is so unique, oh. and I love the way it sounds. You took that you took, you stole it from me. Sorry. I mean the the main singer, the guy not playing the guitar, he has a very uh gruff rustic voice. I don't know mm-hmm. if that's the right word for it. I'll allow but, it. Why not? But um it's listening to them harmonized together was so unique and so it's it like you for when I first heard it, it for the, I'm going to admit there was a hot second and I was like, "Ooh, ooh, that's a weird combination." Cuz it is a weird combination of voices because the um the guitarist, he he harmonizes with them, and he has, I would say, a more I don't know traditional is the right word. There's no really such thing as a traditional voice, but his is like a not as gruff and not as it doesn't stand out as much as um, the main singer. But when they harmonize together, it has such a it makes such a unique sound, and it's not your typical just like oh these voices fit together and make one sound, like they're still both very unique. Mm-hmm. but it still it fits it works and I thought that was so cool listening to them like at first when I heard the song when I heard the song I was like alright that's a good song I like the guitar I like that it looks like they're at the Great Wall of China or something but um, it, look at her, the video on the Song of the Pod playlist to understand what I mean by looking like they're at the Great Wall of China but then when they put them together I was like ooh I was not mm. expecting that and I, I thought it was so cool. How did you find these people? Did you, Is this a random find or did, have you heard nope, of them before? I've known about them for a long time. Mm. But this one, I
0: I hadn't heard this song before. Okay. And yeah, his voice is just, it's so, for lack of a better term, I think it's very penetrating.
1: Yes. I yes. think it's
0: very, like it's a type of voice where you, you hear it and you pay attention to it. Mm-hmm. It catches your ear. Mm-hmm. And it's not because it's like this super sweet angelic sounding voice, but it's <laughs> but it's it's clear, it's deep it's it's a little gruffy like you said um but yeah, so let's let's go over the lyrics a little bit Jared yeah, so um i'm gonna read some of it and i want we're gonna test your German a little bit um oh, so here we go we'll just do we'll just do um we'll just do like a um a verse and maybe the the chorus. So, Jared, du bist anders. Du hörst mir nicht zu. You're different. You don't belong to me. Zuhören, you don't listen to me. Uh Aha. Du weißt, ich kann das schweigen nicht so gut wie du. I don't know what schweigen means. Uh, Schweigen is silence or to be silent.
1: Uh, Okay, say that again then,
0: sorry. Du weißt, ich kann das schweigen nicht so gut wie du.
1: Oh yeah, you, you, you know that I can't keep silent as well as you can. Very good, yeah.
0: Um I guess we'll I guess we'll go then the bridge and then the chorus. So
1: okay. weil du mir nicht alles sagst while well, you don't say everything to me.
0: Be- because, but yeah. I would say oh. because because yeah, you don't sorry I said
1: biased <laughs> Yeah.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> uh, frage ich dich nochmal. I ask you again. Und du sagst nichts. And you don't say anything.
0: And it just repeats that. Okay. So yeah. And then aber ich sehe was in deinem gesicht. Although I see what's in your face. Und ich weiß nicht, was es ist.
1: And I don't know what it is. And it repeats. Okay.
0: So yeah. Um, but I think the song is really really great and yeah, the harmonizing is fantastic. Mm-hmm. I think there's a lot of different meanings in this. I'm not really sure uh, 100% what they're trying to say with these lyrics. Um, but that's what you love about music, as we exactly, talked about <laughs> exactly, exactly <laughs> earlier, exactly. So check that out, "Dubist Andas" by Anin Maikantareit on our uh, Twitter, untranslatable one, and also our YouTube playlist. For many and m- the majority of that playlist are international songs in other languages. Um, so we hope you enjoy.
1: I went to um, so there's this place here in Philadelphia called Spruce Cheet Harbor, and it's on the Delaware River. I think that is, yeah, it uh-huh. is. And um, they had a salsa night, you know, it's outside. And so there was a guy playing a lot of um, different Latin music. And mm-hmm. one of the songs he played, I was like, I feel like I know this song and I feel like I've heard it. And it was um, the Prince Royce song of the pod that we had a couple of weeks ago. Oh, nice. That's awesome. <laughs> I literally pulled up the song of the pod playlist and started playing it. And I was like, yeah, that's the exact same song. Nice. <laughs> was nice. it Colin? Was it? Stand By Me? That's what it was. Yep. yeah oh nice okay well there Mm -hmm. you
0: go so check out our song of the pod du bist anders by um on in my on our youtube and twitter uh channels
1: either go to our youtube or follow us on twitter yeah and and i'll post it on monday or uh, i don't know when this comes out thursday or friday
0: (laughs) one of those days it'll be out (laughs) there thursday or friday after this episode drops good so now um Although my time here in the Czech Republic is sadly slowly coming to an end, still trying to learn the Czech that I can while I'm here. I have a new word for you, Jared. It is mezinarodni. Any guesses what that
1: means? Mm, I feel like it has something to do with the church for some reason, but I don't know why I do. Nope. Nothing to do with the church. Uh, A good view. Nope. All right, kids, give it to me.
0: International. Ah, okay Mezi Narodni, okay. narodni is uh, nation or national Mezi is uh, inter
1: All the languages I've learned Whether it be French Learning Spanish, we'll get to that in a mm-hmm. second German mm-hmm. uh, You know, a lot of the words like that, Right, I think it's the same in all three of those languages <laughs> Or close to it, yeah Pronunciation right, a, a little similar, different yeah. Similar version of all, uh, in all three of those languages my Slavic Spanish languages, word, my man I actually just had a Spanish uh, lesson the other day. Oh, nice. And it's constantly growing. I'm I'm trying to make it a consistent thing. Mm -hmm. And my um, Spanish word of the pot is La Escuela.
0: La Escuela.
1: And now there's more I would add to that. Okay. But I'll get to that after you translate that part of it or I give it that to you. I have no idea what La Escuela is. Well, the reason I chose La Escuela because... When I lived in Germany, I went to La Escuela Internacional. La oh, Escuela oh, Internacional. yeah.
0: International school. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. And so also international. Well, the word is no Escuela school. Escuela. Oh, okay. Uh, okay. Internacional, Internacional. or is however the, you yeah. say that in yeah.
1: I, I can't get the accent down. Inter- Internacional. I can't do it. Internacional. Great either, but yeah. but uh, yeah, that's that's uh, it's Escuela, Escuela. school. Uh-huh. And actually, we were just. Um, Like, through that little, like, online textbook thing that we use as a guide, Mm -hmm. Uh, they just gave, like, every section, they gave us a whole new, like, vocab section. And one of them happened to be a escuela when I did this yesterday. And I was like, well, I got my Spanish word of the pod for our international school episode tomorrow. (laughs) Nice. Very
0: nice. Good work, Jared. Very Good work. Yeah. So Jared, it's time for some clean school jokes. So here we go. <laughs> okay, this would not actually apply. Well, did you did you guys have a? Well, I won't say that because I will ruin the punchline. Um, we can talk about it after. So, how do bees get to school, Jared?
1: Um.
0: Oh, by the school bus. Very good. Now, Ooh. how how do the fish get to school?
1: I uh, don't. I don't know. By the octobus. Uh. Octobus? Like octopus? Yeah. Are those fish technically? And they're sea creatures. All right, I'm all not right, sure. All right. All right. <laughs> what, is, what is a snake? I took public transportation to school. Okay. okay. I, that was okay. another thing about Germany. About st- One more thing about international schools is mm-hmm. it really exp- like expedited my my uh, growing up process. Oh, Before I believe that, it. My, I, I, um, I took either my parents drove me when I was in elementary school or when I went to my new school, I took the school bus. Um, which you know, for all those you know, that don't live in America, it literally picks you up essentially right in front of your house or at the curb, yep. right around the corner yep. from your house. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, in sixth grade, my parents, you know, I got a Shoko Kata, which was like the the um essentially just you can you all all access pass for for students mm-hmm. for the uh, public transportation. And my parents are like, "Well, you're taking a public transport port. Figure it out." And literally, I don't even think my parents helped us. Helped me figure out how to get to school. I think it was just me and my sister that okay. figured it out. And from day one, occasionally, because Ak- Ak- Akash is a child, and I'm gonna say I'd say it to his face, but uh, he um, he uh, got driven to school by his mom occasionally. And also the butlers, their kids were much younger than us, so they sometimes got driven to school. So sometimes I rode with them. But most times I just took the uh, public transportation. Sometimes even if they offered to drive, I would still be like, nah, I want to take the subway. Because like, you know what stop your friends are getting on at. And you're like looking out the window to see if your friends are there. It was fun. And then like, by the time you're like a couple stops away from school, it's like all your friends are there. And you're having a good time before you get to school. It's great. Right. So yeah, nice. I, I love okay. it. That was another thing. And it really expedited growing up and, and being independent for sure. There you go. Well, Jared, I got one more joke for you.
0: Cheesy as they come. What is a snake's favorite subject in school?
1: Uh, do I want to ruin it? Because I feel like I can get this. Go for it. Science. I would say history. Oh, okay. <laughs> but oh, I would say
0: both. Oh, I would, oh, say oh, both okay. would say both would work. <laughs> double. Yes, double. Double drum. Little drum. Triple. <laughs> there we go. Well, uh, this has been an interesting episode, Jared. I got to say... Um, it's been uh, very enlightening hearing about your experience at an international school.
1: It's been and, fun to reflect. On oh, for times. sure.
0: Reflection is important. Um, yeah. It's, and I feel like our podcast is kind of a running reflection of things going on in our lives. It's which really is kind turning of nice. into that, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and we hope all of you listeners out there enjoy it. That's for sure. We definitely enjoy talking about it. Um, so now, Jared, I usually come up with the core of the pod, but I feel mm. very inept to come up with a quote of the pod i, c- I can wrap it up and, and give it my best if you want but i think you are the expert today and i think it's your time to shine
1: okay and now granted everyone cut me a break i chad's usually the one that do it that does this so it'll take me a second let me think about it i would say that um uh, a situation like moving to a new country and starting in a new international school gives you uh one a great insight into how different we all are, but then also how similar we all are. How easy it is to to understand and become friends with uh, people from all over the world. And I think that Juana Jenkins' song that we featured as a song of the pod a couple episodes ago was a perfect example of that. Um, now, of course, off the top of my head, I don't remember what the song was called because I'm a terrible person. Um, but I could tell you because I have my computer right in front of me. But her song really explained that perfectly. I mean, it doesn't matter where you come from. Like, people experience... Um, or ain't no color about the blues. People experience mm-hmm. um, things... Like, everyone experiences the same thing. And especially in a place like an International School, where the majority of the people are coming from different countries, are leaving their comfortable life. You know, people in France, England, Japan, whatever country it is, were doing the same thing that I did. And we're sitting at their dinner table. And one day, their parents were like, "Hey, we're going to Germany," and they're probably just as freaked out as I was. Sure. And I, I think it's a, it's just a, it's just a beautiful example of how we can all get along and how similar we all are. Ah, uh, God, I hate being. I a
0: I, I love it. <laughs> you you did you did the Chad closing better than I think I could have. So kudos oh, to you, you, Jared. That was fantastic. You yeah, betcha. and I've I've noticed that too. Being here at the Czech Republic, mm-hmm. you know, there may be language barriers. There may be difficulties. Obviously, can be very um, terrifying moving to a new country, especially when you're 11 years old. I can't even imagine.
1: Yeah, um, but, but you I think grow it was from also it better though. That I was that young, too. Yeah, could be definitely, could be before I really had anything going for me in life. <laughs> exactly, exactly. You
0: didn't have a world class podcast back then, that's for sure. <laughs> oh,
1: what if I did? That'd be great. Oh man,
0: I can't imagine 11 year old Jared doing a podcast. Who would you roast to this level? I don't think. I, well, maybe you did. I, have I a think buddy you'd be surprised. I think there was
1: just as much roasting going on when I was.
0: That's really true. Young too. That's true. Kids can be brutal. But anyways, <laughs> we hope you all have enjoyed this international school experience episode, um, and I really enjoyed uh, being the interviewer and not the interviewee. You best time. That was a lot of fun for me as well. So let us know about your international school experiences at untranslatablepodcast at gmail.com Also check out our Instagram untranslatable podcast. For all sorts of random pictures of our travels, our other shenanigans, uh, clips of the pod as well. Uh, I have to give Jared a lot of credit for all the amazing editing and work he does for this podcast. Yeah. And and also, do not forget five-star reviews on Stitcher and iTunes. We would really appreciate it. Let us know what you think. Spread some love for sure. Let us know if we're also...
1: What? Oh slipping on gay ass. <laughs> yes, piss. I was
0: hoping you'd get that very good, Jared. Let us know what we could do to improve. We would really love and appreciate your feedback. It's been it's been eighteen countries and <laughs> counting. We hope to bring that up more. So tell your friends, spread the love. And as we say here at the Untranslatable Podcast, que cuyeme a muchas gracias.